Well, a very blessed and holy Lenten season to all of you. I know how many of us each year look forward to these beautiful days, but whether we like Lent or not, whether we give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, doesn't really matter. Um, speaking for myself, each year, Lent is something that I need. Lent is something I need. And so, like I said, whether we like these days or not, um, to admit that we need it. Let me try to say it another way, everyone. Lent is meant to feel different, right? Lent is meant to have a certain feel to it. Here at Mass, the readings, maybe a boring homily, our wonderful music, the way the church looks, what a priest wears, all of those things are meant to remind us that Lent is meant to have a certain feel to it, that it feels different. But not only here in the church, not only here at Mass, in our own personal day-to-day -day lives, Lent is intended to have a certain feel to it. If you're counting, we're on day five. Ash Wednesday was five days ago. And I think a quick gauge to see how Lent is going for you and for me on day five is this. Have these last five days felt different? Has there been a certain pace to life, pace to prayer, pace to how we spend our time, that feels different. If so, great, keep it up. <laughs> if not, we got 35 days left. There's still time, there's still time. What I love about Lent is this. It is highly activity-focused, right? Prayer, fasting, almsgiving. We do things. We go to Stations of the Cross. Some of us go to daily Mass. We go to confession during Lent. We do extra things. It is activity-focused. On this first Sunday of Lent, everyone, every single year, our gospel comes to us regarding the temptation of Jesus in the desert. Now, that's highly intentional, right? Why would we have the gospel for the temptation of Jesus in the desert? Well, that was the first Lent, right? And so the first Sunday of Lent, we look back and we think and we pray about the very first Lent where Jesus spent 40 days in the desert. What I want to draw our attention to this morning is this. What happened immediately after Jesus spent 40 days fasting in the desert? What happened immediately afterwards, after his baptism? He began his public ministry, right? So to have that kind of pattern in our mind, 40 days in the desert, Baptism by John in the Jordan, and then he gets the whole thing going, and he begins his public ministry in Galilee, his three years of preaching the gospel. Now, this is important. What is the first word that Jesus uses when he kicks off his public ministry? What is the first word, the first command he gives his followers? One word. Repent. That is the word Jesus speaks repent. Now, the reason I want to mention that this morning is this. Lent has two halves. I'm going to use really technical terms to describe the two halves of Lent, okay? The first half and the second half. The first half and the second half. We're in half number one. From now, actually from Ash Wednesday, until the fourth Sunday of Lent, March 14th, Daylight Savings Time, it'll be the day where Father Wolf is wearing pink. You won't miss it. Okay, remember, Father Wolf wearing pink, second half of Lent, okay? Until then, we're in the first half. 
Did you know that the first half of Lent has a specific theme to it? There's a specific focus and intention in the life of the church for every single Catholic the first half of Lent. Guess what the word is? Repent. The whole focus of the first half of Lent is the first word out of Jesus' mouth when he began his public ministry. Repent. So I think it's worthwhile this morning just to make a few comments on that word since that is our focus in these next few weeks. Now, when we hear the word repent, I'll admit, it's kind of a lousy translation, and here's why. The English word that we use, that word repent, what does it have as a kind of connotation? It has a very moralizing, ethical connotation, doesn't it? You hear a priest say, repent, and you think, oh, do this, don't do this, follow this commandment, follow this rule, follow this regulation, change this behavior, change this action, right? For us, the English word repent has this moralizing overtone to it. When Jesus said repent, he meant something much broader than just change of behavior or change of action. A better translation would be this. Change your mind, right? Change the way that you see reality. Doesn't that change the way we hear Jesus say repent? That when he began his public ministry, he said to everyone, hey, listen up, everyone. I am inviting you to change the way you see reality. I am inviting you to see the way you see the world, see yourself, see God, see me. It is not just a moralizing overtone. It is a change of perspective a change in the lens through which we see the world around us. Now, you might be asking this. Well, why? What's wrong with the way I think? What's wrong with the way I see reality? Why do I need some bratty priest to tell me that I need to change the way I see reality? Well, because Jesus told us to. But still, what's wrong with the way that you and I see reality? Everyone, I got a newsflash for us. We're fallen. It's called original sin. And one of the great effects of original sin on your heart as mine is that do you know what the first tendencies we have when we see reality? One word. Fear. We see God through a lens of fear. If you don't believe me, Look back throughout all of salvation history in the Bible. Look at Adam and Eve. How did they see God after the fall? They feared him. They were fearful of him. They were suspicious of him. So why is it that you and I might need to change the way we see reality? Because we're fallen and we see reality through the lens of fear rather than the lens of trust. If that doesn't sound familiar to you, then God bless you. Because it sounds very familiar to me. Let's see reality through the lens of trusting God and not through the lens of fear. So what does that look like? Well, let's go through a few examples. How do I see God? Do I see God as someone who is overwhelmingly for me, overwhelmingly on my side? Or do I see God as a threat to my freedom? Do I see God as an infringement on my happiness? Or... Do I see God as the source of happiness? Do I see God as the source of freedom? Right? How do I see God? Change the way you see reality. 
Second, how do you see yourself? Right? Do you see yourself as a child of God? A child of God whose life has meaning and purpose and whose life is meant to be given away in love to one another and to God. Do I see my life like that? Change the way you see reality. How do I see the church? Do I see the church as a vehicle to salvation? Or do I see it as another club? Change the way you see reality. How do you see Jesus? Do you see him as a friend who is on your side, who is the center of your life? Change the way you see reality. Everyone, may we have hearts that fight against the tendency to be fearful, but rather, may we have hearts that trust, hearts that trust God, hearts that repent, hearts that change the mind, and hearts that change the way we see reality.